0: Straight to the Brain. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 8 of Straight to the Brain, a podcast where I do research on a scientific topic and try to make it more digestible for the masses. I'm your host, Xavier Fajardo. Sitting next to me is my co-host, Mia Ramos. What
1: is up everybody? Very excited. Yes.
0: (laughs) This is going to be our last episode on the innate immune system. But by no means does that mean we will have covered everything within it. Yes, very true. Although, if you've been following along with this series, by the end of this episode, you will have a pretty damn good general understanding (laughs) of the innate immune system. Mm -hmm. At least as much as you can have without, I don't know, (laughs) getting a degree in it.
1: Yeah, no, we we really dove deep into it. And we broke everything down into each part. And now it's the finale. Now. Yeah,
0: sometimes I wonder if maybe it was a little too deep. <sighs> and maybe some people got lost in the sauce. But again, I believe in everybody listening.
1: Yeah. Nah, they're d- they're going to do great. They're going to be great.
0: <laughs> but I'm certain there are other components of the innate immune system that we'll cover in the future, especially when we start discussing different diseases. So back in part 1 of innate immunity, I mentioned that there are three different complement pathways. The alternative pathway, the lectin pathway, and the classical pathway. In that episode, we only discussed the alternative pathway, yeah, since yeah. <laughs> <laughs> since it works at the beginning of an infection and requires only the presence of a pathogen to become activated. Because remember, that one is just kind of floating around, and the simple presence of a pathogen yeah. will cause it to bind to it, and it doesn't really require anything else. Mm-mm. On the other hand, the lectin and classical pathway are induced by an active infection and require the activation and production of specific effector cells and cytokines. Mm -hmm. If we're picking back up from last episode, those very effector cells and cytokines have been activated and produced. So now we get to explore those other two complement pathways. Along with that, we're going to expand on the innate immune response to a viral infection a little bit.
1: Oh, so, that's what we're, so the viral infection then, but expanding on the other two pathways.
0: Yes, so we're going to expand on the other okay. two pathways mm-hmm. and a little into how our innate immune system combats a viral infection because Ooh. I know last episode okay. and what we kind of focused on is more, uh, more extracellular threats, mm-hmm. not intracellular like a virus would be as we'll get into, yeah. and also mostly bacteria is what we focused on. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so we're going to go a little more into viruses. Mm.
1: When they get inside, see what they do.
0: With that little teaser, let's go ahead and dive into the body of today's episode. Splash. Last episode, my resident macrophages were activated in response to a bacterial infection in my knee. Mm-hmm. I believe it was duck feces?
1: I'm still sticking with bear shit. I don't know. I, I like to believe that I fought it off and that's how I got away. <laughs> but you know what? We'll stick with duck feces. <laughs>
0: These macrophages are now secreting a number of cytokines to orchestrate the innate immune response. One of the inflammatory cytokines that we discussed was interleukin-6. Within the context of the inflammatory response, interleukin-6 works to raise the temperature in infected tissues by inducing fat and muscle cells to metabolize, and in the body overall by interacting with the hypothalamus, which is essentially your brain's thermostat, among other things.
1: Yeah, you want to smoke the monster out, get it out of there, make it so hot that it just dies, (laughs) essentially.
0: Interleukin 1 beta and TNF alpha also aid in this uh, raising of the body temperature. Mm, Okay. And we touched on it last week, but raising the body temperature and inducing fever is in fact beneficial Mm -hmm. because many bacteria and viruses have a hard time replicating at those higher temperatures. Yes. Additionally, the adaptive immune system becomes more potent at those higher temperatures as well. The inflammatory cytokines also induce lethargy and anorexia, and researchers believe this may be to reduce energy expenditure so that all resources go toward fighting the infection.
1: Hmm, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, so like that's why like when you're, when you're sick and you have those aches and you just don't want to move, It's literally just so, like, all of your resources and energy are just, like, let's fight off this infection. Mm -hmm. Because if you're – because you would think, like, oh, wouldn't you want to be able to eat? But it's, like, when you eat and your body has to metabolize that food, Mm -hmm. it's actually spending a lot of energy to make energy. You know, kind of like you got to spend money to make money. And so (laughs) – it's kind of that. So, like, you would think, like, oh, I got to eat to get some energy, but that actually does take, and that's why your body will be like, no, we're vomiting this right up or we're shitting this right out. Oh,
1: wow. All right. Okay. Okay.
0: okay. But that that's kind of the, the theory behind it, because, mm-hmm. like, everything happens for a reason in evolution. <laughs> like, nothing just happens because it happens typically. Yeah. And so, this is a direct effect of the inflammatory cytokines, and mm-hmm. so this is what we assume that purpose is for. Mm-hmm. Okay. Although, in addition to raising the body temperature, interleukin-6 also induces hepatocytes or liver cells to produce and secrete immunological soluble proteins. However, the upregulation of these immunological proteins leads to the downregulation of other proteins typically produced by hepatocytes. Interleukin-1-beta and TNF-alpha also aid in this process, but to a much lesser extent, so we're going to focus on interleukin-6.
1: Interleukin. Interleukin.
0: (laughs) These actions are referred to as the acute phase response, and the proteins produced are the acute phase proteins. Super creative, Mm. I know. (laughs) Of the various acute phase proteins that are upregulated, C-reactive protein, amyloid A protein, and mannose-binding lectin are the most important, so we're going to focus on those three.
1: (laughs) Flower. (laughs) Looks like a flower.
0: C-reactive protein contains five identical subunits that form a pentameric molecule with a hole in the center. And so that is what Mia was referring to (laughs) as the flower. And so you see it is these five different proteins that Mm -hmm. form this pentameric structure. And the first thing I thought when I read pentameric was pentagram. And I was just like, sometimes you need the help (laughs) of the dark lord to fight an infection.
1: Sometimes you got to summon the devil. (laughs)
0: C-reactive protein binds to bacteria, fungi, and some parasites. The target of C-reactive protein is phosphoricoline, a component of lipopolysaccharides, or LPS, found on the outer surface of pathogens, especially gram-negative bacteria. And that's something we expanded on last episode. Yes. Once bound to a pathogen, C-reactive protein acts as an opsonin, triggering the classical pathway of complement fixation in the absence of an antibody and so we're going to expand on that a little more in the episode okay cool yeah i always feel bad when i drop the antibody word because i know i'm not going to talk about them until i get into the adaptive immune system Mm -hmm. and now i've intended to push that back for like three episodes And talk about, like, other areas of science until we get to it. So we're not just. Yeah, I'm excited. to. I love biology, but I'm excited to start exploring other areas of STEM. And so I always feel bad when I have to say antibody because there's no other.
1: That's what Google's for. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's
0: no other word I can think of to replace it.
1: No, I just. Every time I hear a word or, like, learn something new that I don't necessarily understand and people don't want to explain it to me, I always just Google it.
0: Yeah, you should let your own curiosity guide you. I can't do everything yeah. for you. Well,
1: that's also why I hate not being around my phone because usually if people are talking about something that I don't understand, I can't look it up and it just feels, feels weird. I feel weak. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and real quick, the classical pathway can be induced by either the innate or adaptive immune system. Mm-hmm. In the adaptive immune system, the classical pathway is triggered by an antibody but this is how it can be activated by the innate immune system. So this is yet another means of tagging a pathogen for phagocytosis. <laughs> you
1: gotta tag them and bag them. <laughs> tag them and bag him,
0: boys. C-reactive protein can also bind to phagocytes, suggesting it can also deliver pathogens to their death directly and don't necessarily need the added complement components.
1: Kind of dark.
0: <laughs> but the general strategy of the immune system is to just overwhelm a pathogen with a plethora of biological weapons.
1: Bomb it. <laughs>
0: essentially, yeah. As Bomb it you, to death. As you see, like there's there's all these different mechanisms and they all essentially do the same thing. Like they are yeah. just bombarding <laughs> these pathogens. That's also probably why we're so weak during an active infection, mm-hmm. because we're dedicating all of those resources toward the war <laughs> effort.
1: Oh, that makes me think of World War Two.
0: Yeah, where it's like, Come on boys Go do the riveter. Yeah, it's like it's like come on, we gotta stop eating meat so we can send it to our boys in Germany.
1: We gotta eat crackers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's like Grow a Victory Garden. Yeah, it's like they we started like we changed like our entire life for World War II essentially. Yeah, like we weird. stopped using as much electricity <laughs> and sugar. We I started wearing like different materials so yeah. that we can send all the cotton to like the war. I don't
1: know why I said yeah, it was weird. Like I lived to that time. Yeah, somehow. Mia's
0: actually <laughs> eighty nine. Time
1: traveler. Oh, that too. Yep. No, I'm old. I'm not a time traveler.
0: But like we said last episode, it's not like your immune system knows what modern medicine is mm-hmm. for tens of thousands of years our immune systems have evolved to combat pathogens without the help of modern medicine so it's just doing what it knows and so that's kind of like why it has that tactic of just wasting all of these resources because if it doesn't in the wild you would just die
1: mm-hmm. like an animal
0: <laughs> we're all just animals we're
1: just i mean yeah we're
0: just apes that can drive a car
1: That's it? Drive the car? Yeah, that that was
0: the greatest (laughs) accomplishment of man. We're not
1: capable of anything else, just driving cars.
0: (laughs) And maybe figuring out all the stuff I'm (laughs) about to explain. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's
0: true. Serum amyloid A is a small protein that associates with high-density lipoprotein particles post-secretion. And high-density lipoproteins, or HDL, is the quote-unquote good cholesterol because it helps to rid your body of excess cholesterol. Mm. That's not necessarily relevant to this episode, but <laughs> I thought I'd share it anyway because, no, yeah. fuck it, it's my podcast. It's a good tidbit. <laughs> anyway, serum amyloid A protein can also interact with various cell surface receptors, triggering them to produce inflammatory cytokines, thus amplifying the inflammatory response. Again, we are trying to totally overwhelm these pathogens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Our final key acute phase protein Mannose binding lectin binds to mannose containing carbohydrates on the surface of bacteria, fungi, protozoa, and viruses. And lectins are proteins that bind to carbohydrates, and mannose is just a common monomeric sugar, and sugars are carbohydrates. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mannose binding lectin, or MBL, looks sort of like a bouquet of flowers, Mm -hmm. except each stem is made from a triple helix of three identical polypeptides which are similar to those found in collagen.
1: It's not a cool-looking flower. I'm... Oh. Each
0: Wait. of the three <laughs> polypeptides, or stems, contributes a carbohydrate-recognition domain. The three recognition domains collectively form a quote-unquote flower. That's why I thought it was kind of funny earlier that you said the C-reactive protein looked like a flower, because I was like, oh, just wait, because we are about to literally use the word flower in stem multiple times. It
1: looks like a—that picture, right? That's the one? Yes,
0: that is the flower. It looks <laughs> or the bouquet. kind
1: of like a tripod of some kind.
0: Yeah, it does It does look like a, like a tripod. Each molecule of mannose-binding lectin has five to six flowers, giving each molecule 15 or 18— potential attachment sites for pathogen surface carbohydrates this allows for tight binding via multi-point attachments and so yeah so you see here these are all the stalks and mm-hmm. then this is what forms the flower and then each one of these has three binding points and so that allows okay. for it to just really grip onto a motherfucker really
1: get on there Mask. Yeah.
0: you gotta really get on there you gotta dig your hooks in <laughs> once bound to the surface of a pathogen MBL initiates the lectin pathway of complement activation. Pathogen-bound MBL also acts as a opsonin that facilitates the phagocytosis of bacteria by monocytes in the blood. As we discussed last week? No, I believe it was two weeks ago. I'm losing (laughs) track of time. Anyway, whatever episode we talked about effector cells in, pretty sure that was part two, uh we discussed that monocytes are the mobile phagocytic progenitor to our resident macrophages. Mm -hmm. Unlike mature macrophages, monocytes lack manno-surface receptors, but they have receptors that can bind MBL, allowing them to phagocytize MBL-coated bacteria. So even though they're the progenitor to macrophages, they're Mm -hmm. not totally useless. They can still (laughs) get some shit done. All right, now let's introduce two more components to our bouquet. Fill it out a little bit. (laughs) MBL circulates in the plasma as a complex with two serine protease zymogens, MBL associated serine protease 1 and 2. And so we'll abbreviate that as MASP 1 and 2. Also, a serine protease is an enzyme that cleaves proteins by utilizing the nucleophilic amino acid serine in its active site. And zymogens are enzymes that are kept inactive. So at this point, MASP-1 and 2 are inactive. They are sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Do not wake them from their Don't slumber. wake
1: them up, but let them sleep.
0: Sounds like someone I know. Mia. <clears throat> yeah.
1: I love sleeping, it's my favorite.
0: <laughs> two molecules each of MASP-1 and 2 associate with the main stock of MBL. When the MBL-MASP complex binds to a pathogen surface, One molecule of MASP2 is activated and cleaves itself. Hmm. I also found it super inappropriate that the word that's commonly used in biology when it comes to cutting something Mm. is cleave. You usually say it was cleaved or it cleaves or it was cleaved. We
1: cleaved that (laughs) fucker.
0: But (laughs) I'm going to cleave you up so bad. You're going to wish I didn't cleave you up so bad. (laughs) Uh, that's a reference to Family Guy for anybody who used to watch that when their <laughs> parents went to sleep and you stayed up too late watching Cartoon Network. <laughs> so the thing I was saying that I thought was like weird was that for some reason mm-hmm. the author of this book that I was getting a lot of this information from insisted on using Cleave in every other scenario <laughs> except here uh-huh. and he replaced Cleave's itself which is what I said with Cuts itself and then he repeatedly uses the term cut itself multiple times. As if mask really two is depressed.
1: It sounds like it is.
0: <laughs> and I was like, "What? Like you've been using really, cleave yeah. the whole time." It's like, did you think that was funny? He
1: didn't want to use that word again. I think he just felt like it was being overused. I think he thought he was definitely, being cute. Definitely done that before. Or it was a
0: cry for help.
1: For like an essay, you know, and you gotta just like hit the synonym button, and find a similar word, so you sound smarter. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was like, hmm, cuts.
0: Cuts. That's that's more that's scientific. <laughs> This first MASP2 molecule then cleaves the second MASP2 molecule, making it enzymatically active. Interestingly, it is not known whether or not MASP1 has an enzymatic role in the lectin complement pathway, so for our purposes today, it really is just bouquet filler. Well,
1: like baby's breath.
0: <laughs> like baby's breath. Mm-hmm. MASP1 is the baby's breath of the lectin pathway bouquet. <laughs> yeah. Which, that's the most metal name for a flower. When I found out that flower was called baby's breath, I was like, that's so creepy. <laughs>
1: that's
0: gross. Yeah, honestly.
1: Sounds like mush. and How does it smell? Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to say. It just smells like baby food. Like it's like, ugh. It's perfumey. That's it just nice. smells like
0: baby food and whatever he put in his mouth that day from the floor. <laughs> yeah,
1: so gross. Yeah, they're pretty dirty. I don't trust em. I don't trust them. <laughs>
0: However, activated MASP-2 is now able to cleave and activate C4 and C2 complement components. C4 is essentially the same as C3, as they have similar structure, function, and the characteristic theoester bond, Mm -hmm. while C2 is another serine protease zymogen, which functions similarly to factor B. If you want to hear more about C3 and Factor B, we cover those in Part 1 of Innate Immunity when we talk about the alternative complement pathway. Go check it out. (laughs) Plug myself. (laughs) So we have our MBL complex fixed to the pathogen surface, and the MASP2 molecules have become enzymatically active. Now, circulating C4 components can interact with the MBL-MASP complex and be cleaved into larger C4B fragments and small C4A fragments. The theoester bond on the larger C4B fragment is now exposed, which allows the fragment to bind to the pathogen's surface. C4A then dips out from the battle and recruits other leukocytes to the site of C4B fixation. I gotta go. <laughs> I I gotta get out of here, man. It it's here like, right man, you're so much bigger than me. Why don't you just stick around, fight this bacteria, and i'm gonna go get help
1: that reminds me of a tiktok i saw and it was a a man and he was in his car and he was with a father of a girl that was sitting in the back and she was videoing him and he was talking about a time that him and his buddies were at a bar when he was younger and how i guess it was a group of guys and he was about to get in a fight with them and um he was like, come on, he recruited more, and there was, like, nine of them, and so him and his buddy, who was the father in the seat next to him, the the dad was like, I, I can't help you, man, there's too many of them, I don't know what to do, and the guy's like, all right, and so he was talking about what he did, and apparently he went up to them, and he, like, started addressing, and the group of guys were like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, post up, and then he was like, okay, and he just dropped his fucking pants and, like, pulled his dick out, and he's like, at one point, all of this is going to be all over your face. <laughs> He's like, and I'm probably going to get the shit beat out of me. But what's going to be worse, me getting the shit beat out of me or everybody else knowing that my nutsack was on your face?
0: Sometimes homophobia <laughs> saves lives.
1: <laughs> I'm sure this was like in the 80s or something. He was, he was an older man. But oh. That just reminded me of that.
0: <laughs> could you imagine if he would have done it as an older man and that he could have possibly <laughs> used... His descendant testicles as a oh, lasso that, of sorts.
1: <laughs> just choked him out with it. It's just like a
0: morning star. He just swings it around like, oh my sh- god! Heads. Wire
1: is not studded. I don't know. You never know.
0: Syphilis. I
1: don't know. Bedazzled.
0: He he got his <laughs> testicles bedazzled.
1: Sounds cool. Sounds pretty. Yeah, like a disco ball.
0: Yeah, treat yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Although C4A is similar in function to C3A and C5A, it is a weaker attractant than those two. And so it doesn't necessarily recruit as much. It's not mm-hmm. as important to recruit and affect ourselves, but it does lend a hand. <laughs> also, when I wrote that it was a weaker attractant, I felt kind of bad and felt mm-hmm. like I was like calling C4A ugly.
1: Aww. She's cute, so she couldn't get more people to come to the party.
0: Similarly, C2 interacts with MASP2 and is cleaved, but the larger fragment that sticks around this time is C2A, and the smaller, inactive fragment is C2B, which is the opposite of how this has always worked, scientists be trying to shake things up a little, and as I said, C2B is inactive, so it just floats off into the ether of your body until some scavenger cell gobbles it up. The larger active fragment C2A then associates with the pathogen fix C4B. The larger active fragment C2A then associates with the pathogen fix C4B. The pathogen fix complex is now dubbed C4B-C2A, which is a C3 convertase. As a reminder, a C3 convertase is just an enzyme that cleaves and activates C3 components. Mm-hmm. So now we have another C3 convertase fixed to the pathogen surface, just cleaving C3 components into C3A and C3B fragments. Activated factor B then associates with pathogen fixed C3B fragments, giving rise to even more C3 convertases. And so here's a picture of that entire process. And so you can see that the HBL complex has bound to the pathogen surface, And as C4s come along and they look exactly the same as C3s, they get cleaved into their two fragments, and then the C4B is fixed to the pathogen surface. Mm -hmm. And then C2 comes along looking pretty similar to factor B. And then now we have (laughs) our C3 convertase, which can just start pumping out these C3 fragments.
1: Okay, looks like carrot.
0: Twinkies and carrots.
1: Twinkies and carrots, my favorite. (laughs)
0: The pathogen is now being saturated with oxidant components, allowing for easy identification and disposal by effector cells. But, yeah, that's the lectin pathway.
1: All right, but it's pretty chill. So, we got bouquets. bouquets. Yeah, I bet a lot of
0: you never thought your liver contributed to your immune response.
1: Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> you don't think about it too much. When you think about liver, you think about alcohol Yeah,
0: just filtering booze out.
1: Exactly. That's all it's good for. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about how the classical pathway can be induced by the innate immune system, as we alluded to earlier. So here's where the C-reactive protein we discussed earlier comes back into play. Once C-reactive protein binds to a pathogen, it can also interact with C1, the first component of the classical pathway of complement activation. C1 is very similar to the MBL-MASP complex in both structure and organization, but differs in composition. Our C1 molecular bouquet consists of six flowers formed from 18 C1Q polypeptides and two molecules each of C1R and C1S, which are inactive serine proteases, very similar to MASP1 and MASP2. The flower stems are also triple helices, but are formed from C1Q molecules, not collagen. When C1 binds to pathogen-bound C1 reactive protein, C1R is activated and cleaves itself, not cuts itself, (laughs) the other molecule of C1R and both molecules of C1S. So it cleaves all of those things. The C1S molecules are now active proteases and Mm -hmm. will cleave C4 components, thereby activating them. Similar to the lectin pathway, C1S will also cleave C2, leading to the formation of the C3 convertase, C4B, C2A. The pathway continues the exact same way as the lectin pathway, leading to complement fixation and opsonization. Oh, would you look at that. And so here's the picture of how this one works. And so there's our pentameric, our pentagram <laughs> protein, and that's bound to the pathogen surface. And now you see how the C1 component mm-hmm. looks pretty much exactly like the selecting
1: Yeah. It's really cool how the um, the picture from the microscope looks a lot like the um drawing in this case because usually it's yeah usually not at all Yeah, similar. usually
0: the actual picture is just utter nonsense. But this
1: one they're just they look like little gumbies <laughs> with like balls for hands and <laughs> feet Yeah kind it's of so weird. <laughs> they're just floating around having a good time. Summoning the devil as they go. <laughs> as they go.
0: As one does.
1: As one does.
0: That's what your fever is. It's actually the satanic ritual happening and they're burning candles as one does. And that's the heat that's being produced because
1: from hell, (laughs) how can you
0: have a ritual without candles?
1: Oh, that's funny. Is it even a
0: ritual if you didn't have candles?
1: No, you know, you got to same way as like, were you
0: even there if you didn't Instagram it? Oh, God. (laughs) Just kidding. I've been trying to understand social media for these podcasts. I've never done it before or engaged with it, really. It's very weird. The only time time. I've really engaged with it is when I look over other people's shoulders at what they're looking at, just because I'm bored and nobody's talking. (laughs) It's oh, like, well, I guess funny. I'll just look at what you're looking at, since everybody insists on just looking at their phones.
1: Yeah, we watch a lot of TikToks together, though. That's fun. That's just watching videos. Well, yeah, half funny. of them,
0: half of them make me laugh, and the other half just like violently upset me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm do. just like, yeah.
0: God damn, we're dumb.
1: It's a hit or miss.
0: Yeah, with I, everything. I really
1: enjoy all of it, just because I really like that stupid humor. But it seems to enrage you. <laughs>
0: So now everyone listening knows the three complement pathways associated with innate immunity. Yay! <laughs> but of course, we'll talk about the classical pathway again when we get to the adaptive immune system. One day. <laughs> One day we will. One day. But let's switch gears a little bit and explore how the innate immune system responds to an intracellular pathogen, i.e., viruses. Dun dun. Dun dun. <laughs>
1: Give me your fucking money. <laughs> dun, dun. Dun, dun.
0: <laughs> so this is especially pertinent right now what with the viral pandemic and all. As we discussed in our very first episode, cutely titled SARS first episode, mm-hmm. a virus infects individual cells and hijacks the host cell machinery. Since viruses are technically not living and cannot perform any of their own biological functions, they have to use host cell machinery to transcribe, translate, and replicate their genomes. Oh,
1: <laughs> How dare they?
0: <laughs> Luckily, our cells also possess intracellular receptors, which can recognize viral PAMPs. Viral nucleic acids are the most recognized by intracellular PAMP receptors, and this is for a couple reasons.
1: Tell me. Tell me the reasons.
0: One, viral genomes are typically very different from our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use DNA for our genetic material and only use RNA so that we can make proteins. Mm-hmm. But uh, viruses can use simply RNA for their genetic material, which if they have a 5' prime cap and a poly-A tail, it's a little harder for our immune system to discern them from our own RNAs. But some of their RNA genomes are vastly different from our own. Like yeah. uh, some of them use double-stranded RNA, which we do not make double-stranded RNA whatsoever. Uh, sometimes their RNA doesn't have a 5' prime cap or doesn't have a poly-A tail, and so that'll give it away.
1: <laughs> what the fuck is this?
0: <laughs> also uh, – <laughs> You're
1: not supposed to be here.
0: <laughs> also uh, – <laughs> Speaking of not supposed to be here, DNA. Uh, Like I said, we do use DNA, but DNA stays within the nucleus where it is safe, and it sends the RNA out into the cytoplasm Mm -hmm. for uh, translation. And so there shouldn't be DNA within the cytoplasm, and so that's also another PAMP used by are intracellular PAMP receptors because there shouldn't be DNA in there.
1: DNA is bubble boy. It does not go outside. It stays inside. Where it stays safe.
0: inside. It literally stays in its bubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The response to recognizing a viral PAMP intracellularly is the production of cytokines called type 1 interferons but if you just say interferon, it's understood that you're referring to type 1 interferons.
1: Type 1 diabetes. <laughs> so
0: that's how we'll be referring to them for the rest of the episode just and the entire podcast. <laughs> and the ultimate purpose of interferons is to inhibit the proliferation of viral infections.
1: Mm-hmm. Gotta stop it.
0: This is done by creating an unfavorable environment for viral proliferation within the infected cell. Alerting neighboring cells of an impending viral infection so that they can do the same, and increasing the vulnerability of infected cells to death by effector cells.
1: When you said that um, it makes the environment unfavorable, I was just thinking about like, Mom, I don't like it here. Come pick me up. Like the oh yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) just make it like super hostile,
1: uncomfortable. He's like, I just want to go home.
0: I just want to get out of here. Please, I don't want to be here anymore. Go pick me up. I'm sorry for <laughs> infecting you.
1: You ever have that happen where you get invited to sleepover and you're super excited and then you get there and you're like, I just want to go home.
0: Yeah, probably. That happened
1: to me a few times as a kid. is not that fun, but you know, you learn.
0: Did you just stick you're through it?
1: no i called my mom and she came and picked me up i said something happened
0: <laughs> uh so you lied to the other kids <laughs> yep <laughs> that's what i was gonna ask too like were they like well oh, what the yeah. fuck man i thought we were friends
1: yeah yeah no you and just, you're like my, you y- just get a vibe you're, you're like, just can't like be oh <laughs> i'm
0: sorry i gotta go my mom died and it's <laughs> like your mom's you <laughs> picking me <you> up
1: <laughs> oh man she that's my other mom
0: <laughs> they're like oh how progressive <laughs> Unfortunately, once a cell is infected, that's pretty much it, and it needs to be killed by immune <laughs> cells to prevent viral spread. Mm-hmm. It's not a, like a yeah,
1: zombie. Yeah, like pretty zombie much. Bite. Yeah, yeah.
0: Imagine like, yeah. It,
1: you're fucked. All right, it's time to go. Pop, pop in the head. Pop cap in the head.
0: Double tap. Yep. Since a viral infection can occur in any cell, all nucleated cells are equipped with the machinery to produce interferons and the surface receptors to recognize them. The pathway by which viral RNA is recognized is better understood, and SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, is an RNA virus, so we're going to focus on that pathway. Viral RNAs in the cytoplasm are recognized by a class of proteins called RIG1-like receptors. RIG-like receptors contain a helicase-like domain that recognizes RNA and two card domains that interact with mitochondrial antiviral signaling protein, MAVs, on the surface of mitochondria. Also, I have no idea why mitochondrial antiviral signaling protein is abbreviated to MAVs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, where'd the V come from? (laughs) Viral? (laughs) I guess, but it's not like...
0: Actually, I take that back. It actually it makes complete sense. Does it? M for mitochondrial, A for anti, V for viral, S for signaling. They're only leaving out the protein, really.
1: I mean, technically. I retract
0: my statement. By
1: the law of acronyms, it should be like MASP. MASP. Oh, but we already we have, already a, have mask. a MASP. Oh, okay. It all makes sense now. They got
0: us good. Damn. You see, sometimes we learn on this show, too.
1: <laughs> the more you know.
0: Now let's explain a couple things from that last sentence. CARDS is an acronym and it's just a protein motif, nothing too important there for the understanding of this process. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, helicase is an enzyme that can bind and restructure nucleic acids and nucleic acid protein complexes. It is commonly used within the nucleus of our cells to unwind our DNA for replication because remember, it's all wound up in a double helix. Mm -hmm. And the mitochondria is probably the only thing anyone ever remembers from high school <laughs> biology. And it is colloquially yes. referred to as the powerhouse of Ooh. the cell because it generates the chemical energy needed mm-hmm. for cellular functions. And mitochondria are actually super interesting, so we'll probably give them their own little episode one day. Oh
1: yeah, they got their own backstory. Yeah, they have
0: like their own crazy. DNA and shit.
1: Mhm, They are independent... People. They are
0: independent, sassy ladies. Yeah. <laughs> with all of that in mind, the helicase-like domain binds viral RNA present in the cytoplasm. Upon binding viral RNA, the CAR domain of the receptor can dimerize or bind with the CAR domain of the MAVs. This interaction leads to the phosphorylation of the transcription factor interferon response factor, 3, or IRF3 in the cytoplasm. That is a mouthful. <laughs> it really is. It was really hard to say and not just gasp for air in the middle of it. That was good. IRF3 then dimerizes again. That just means binds. Mm-hmm. And uh, dimerize, so typically when you use the word dimerize, it's DI is for di2. And so it's uh-huh. two of the same coming together.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
0: So IRF3 then dimerizes and mm-hmm. enters the nucleus to help initiate transcription of the ifn beta genes which also requires transcription factors nfkb and ap1 so
1: then all three of those things are going to yes yeah, so all in transcription yes those
0: are all transcription factors gotcha. which as a reminder uh nfkb should sound familiar from last episode but and as a reminder <laughs> uh transcription factors are proteins mm-hmm. which help promote the transcription of specific genes into rna because remember we need to go DNA to RNA, and then translation from RNA to protein.
1: Yeah, they help them out a little bit.
0: At this point, type 1 interferons, including IFN-beta and multiple forms of IFN-alpha and several additional cytokines, Mm -hmm. are transcribed and then translated. Okay, cool. Once interferon-beta, which is also IFN-beta, same thing, interchangeable, is secreted, it acts both in an autocrine fashion by binding to receptors on the cell that made it, Mm -hmm. and a paracrine fashion by binding to receptors on uninfected cells nearby.
1: Okay, so it does both. It binds to the cell which it was made and others.
0: Yeah, that's actually what I found kind of interesting about this entire process Uh is the fact that even though the cell is the one creating these interferons, that doesn't tell the cell... Hey, do the interferon response like mm-hmm. it needs to also still go out and bind it, and so the oh, reason. F-
1: pictures, sorry. <laughs> yes, and so and
0: so the reason for that is because everything is kind of tied to these transmembrane receptor domains, where it's like it binds something, and then that is what activates the oh. corresponding cascade that it leads to the eventual transcription and translation of proteins. Okay, the butterfly. Exactly, <laughs> chaos.
1: Okay, we just watched all three all Jurassic three. Parks, and it was so good. Yeah, the Mia first one's still my favorite, probably.
0: Yeah, the first one's great. The, yeah, the first one probably is the best one. But Mia was unfamiliar with the yeah. Lost World and Jurassic I Park three, and so I educated her because
1: I hadn't seen the second and third one yet. But after seeing the second and third one, it is. still Still your favorite favorite. (laughs) before it was my only favorite well i guess when you compare it to the new ones too it was still my favorite because it was a classic
0: yeah i still haven't seen the newest newest one which apparently is like dinosaur black market
1: oh yeah 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 because they're like spoiler alert they're selling them to um rich people that just want to have i guess you know could you imagine the pandemic that comes
0: out of a dinosaur wildlife market Oh, if we got SARS CoV 2 <laughs> from dinosaurs from trading pangolins of like swine and bats
1: flu and bird flu, you just get dinosaur dino flu, <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> just fucks you up. Hell yeah. So, tell us about these so here is the
0: picture pictures. of what I just explained. And mm-hmm. so, here is the virus coming into a cell, like and good. then here is its viral RNA. And as you see here, yeah. it is a five prime triphosphate RNA, and that is the issue is because. Our RNA should have a 5' cap, mm-hmm. not this triphosphate. And so that's how we recognize it as not-self.
1: You're not supposed to be here.
0: You're not supposed to be here. And so here is the RIG-like receptor and then the helicase domain. And again, helicase binds to nucleic acids. And so that is going to bind to the 5' triphosphate viral RNA and then carry it to the MAVS card domain, where the card domains of both the RIG-like receptor and yeah. the MAVS dimerize.
1: Yeah, that's where you see them all attaching in the second picture. They look like little flags.
0: Yes, and so at this... Fun with
1: flags.
0: (laughs) They kind of look like your Wormies.
1: They look like, oh my God. I got them as a gift, the magic worm. You can look it up on Amazon, but I like to call them Wormies. Yeah, it's she's currently. We'll we well, use. We're gonna thing. use
0: this picture for oh, today's episode, but you will get to meet Wormathy,
1: <laughs> my green one, which I is have, her green worm. Yeah, I have and one it of is currently
0: sitting on top of her head as, as we record. As we
1: speak, yeah, he went with us to the park where we played frisbee, and we were safe. We kept a distance. We were literally in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty sweet. And he was guarding all of our things. Just chilling. but there was like a <laughs> couple
0: of weird middle aged dudes that we were both assuming. <laughs> just so, sitting in their car yeah so Mia's reason. mia's assumption is that they were divorce a's and just needed something to do with their time <laughs>
1: they needed somewhere to go and to then let my assumption team. is that
0: they were meeting someone for either drugs or handies
1: <laughs> which is also very
0: but know, more possible. realistically but, they were probably just trying to chill out in the park on their lunch or something yeah i don't know because I- yeah twice where where we were twice a truck parked there Uh, the window rolled down it was a middle-aged white dude and then he just sat in there for an hour never getting out and then left
1: not drinking nothing just just there and that happened twice and we were playing frisbee and we were like this is kind of creepy but then they left when a little before we left they decided to leave so i I don't know their reasoning behind it but it gave me the (laughs) eebie-jeebies The the anyway, so yes.
0: So once our CAR <laughs> domains bind, that's when this uh, cascade occurs where TRAF-6 gets phosphorylated. And then that goes on mm-hmm. and phosphorylates IRF-3 and then NFK-beta. And then we get the translation of our type 1 interferons and other inflammatory cytokines.
1: Phosphorylation via that little pink dot, correct?
0: Yes, the little pink dot represents our gotcha. uh, phosphate. Okay. And then so here is another picture showing Mm -hmm. that autocrine and paracrine I was referring to. And so you see here again, here is the image of the virus binding and releasing its genetic material into Mm -hmm. your cell. Same thing happens. Everything gets activated. And then here you see these cytokines leaving. And then they can either go and attach to a neighboring cell. Again, warning. Yes, exactly. Paracrine warning Mm -hmm. the cell of an an impending viral infection. Get out! (laughs) Run! Run, run now. (laughs)
1: And then the autocrine one.
0: And then the autocrine is auto meaning self, so the cell that produced the cytokines is also binding those cytokines. When interferon binds to its receptor on either a neighboring cell or itself, the intracellular JAK1 and TYKE2 kinases associated with the receptor initiate reactions that change the expression of a variety of human genes a process called the interferon response okay. and so this is what is happening into reaction to binding these interferons and so again this mm-hmm. is similar to um, to our toll-like receptors mm-hmm. where it is a receptor and then it binds and then these intracellular domains then carry on this cascade like I mentioned moments earlier okay. so upon binding these kinases are activated triggering a cascade of phosphorylations which ultimately result in the up or down regulation of particular genes and therefore mm, proteins.
1: I see, I see, I see.
0: Among, yes. <laughs> Among the cellular proteins produced are some that interfere directly with viral genome replication. One example is the enzyme oligoadenylate synthase, which leads to the activation of the endoribonuclease that degrades viral. RNA, And so it's essentially just activating a protein that goes around like Pac-Man and chomps up viral RNA. Also activated by interferon alpha and interferon beta is a protein kinase called protein kinase R or PKR that phosphorylates and inhibits protein synthesis initiation factor EIF2.
1: It looks like elf. (laughs) It does look like
0: elf. Every time I see it, I want to say elf too. (laughs) I wish it was an L so that we can just say elf because E I F is not easy to say.
1: Second string elf. You weren't good enough to package the presents for Santa Claus. (laughs) So you're stuck cleaning the floor. You're
0: you're second string elf. (laughs) You're stuck cleaning reindeer shit.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, a reindeer (laughs) virus.
0: So, by preventing (laughs) EIF2, we are preventing viral protein synthesis and Mm -hmm. the production of new infectious virions. Okay.
1: Prevention. Very important.
0: And EIF2 is a heterotrimer, meaning it is composed of three different proteins, and it is essential for the translation initiation in eukaryotic cells. Us. I.e. us. Mm -hmm. So, no functional EIF2 means no proteins. Typically, at least in the context of what I've talked about on this podcast, phosphorylation is associated with activation, not inhibition. Mm -hmm. In this case, however, the phosphorylation of EIF2 alters its biochemistry in a way that makes it have a higher affinity toward another protein important in eukaryotic translation, EIF2B. When everything is hunky-dory, business as usual, in your cell— EIF2B interacts with EIF2 to activate it, but it is not supposed to hold onto the protein. When EIF2 is phosphorylated, it becomes essentially too clingy and does not let go. <laughs> so that's what I was saying when it gains this higher affinity, uh-huh. that means it binds tighter. However, EIF2B is supposed to be recycled and reused and there's actually not a very high concentration of it okay. within your cells mm-hmm. so when eif2 refuses to let go of it it's essentially sequestering resources inhibiting translation uh, so it's not a good and, thing. yeah so that's how the translation is well it's a good thing in this case because if you're inhibiting translation in the cell, mm-hmm. that means that the virus also can't replicate, mm, because true. remember it has to follow the rules of your cell. Yeah, because it's using its machinery. Exactly. It, it's it's uh it's hijacking your machinery, but that means it needs mm-hmm. to play by your rules. It cannot,
1: or else it not get made.
0: It does not get made, and yeah. so, but that's also the, one of the reasons as to why once a cell is infected it has to die is because yeah like you're completely stopping translation like this cell is no longer functional in an attempt to inhibit the spread of this virus so here's a picture of what I just described I Mm -hmm. didn't go too in-depth about it this is probably something I'll cover in an episode where we actually talk about protein translation because again yet another topic where you can just spend an entire episode on it
1: yeah
0: but here is EIF2 And so you see how it is the heterotrimer. It is three different proteins, all different, alpha, beta, gamma. And then you see this GTP attached to it. So when it has GTP attached to it, Mm -hmm. it is not active. So to become activated, it needs to become GDP. That is the role of EIF2B. It is to Mm -hmm. convert this GTP into GDP. And at that point, EIF2 is activated. And so here you see, though, when it... Uh, in the presence of pKr, uh-huh. and then now you see that phosphate group. Now it holds onto it instead of letting it go.
1: Oh, okay, 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 okay.
0: And so when it holds onto it, it uh, one, when it's held on, it can't do its job because yeah. it's binding something else that it shouldn't be, and so that's <laughs> inhibiting the EIF2 from doing its job. But again, it's also sequestering the EIF2B preventing it from also doing its job. Mm. So nobody's doing their fucking job in this situation. (laughs) Oh, lazy. As I'm sure you recall, and we just said this moments ago, Mm -hmm. once a cell has become infected, unfortunately, it must die. It's gotta go. So even though the common cold may only present mild symptoms, like the sniffles, it's like the T-virus for your cells, and they play by zombie apocalypse (laughs) rules.
1: You gonna die today.
0: Therefore, another key component of the interferon response is the recruitment and activation of natural killer cells, cells. which we discuss in part two of our innate immunity series.
1: Yes, we did. Go listen.
0: (laughs) These cells, as their name implies, simply kill cells that are either infected or cancerous. Mm -hmm. And so this little diagram here is essentially just explaining the interferon response, and then it's going to lead us more into talking about NK cells. Mm -hmm. And so here you see the virus-infected cells. And then as a result, we are now producing interferon alpha and beta. And then so here is the interferon response collectively. What it do. And so here you see in the first box, it induces resistance to viral replication in cells. And so that's what we were talking about, um, about activating proteins that cleave viral genomes as well as ceasing all protein Uh translation within the cells to prevent the accidental translation of viral proteins. Mm
1: -hmm. We don't want that.
0: (laughs) And then as I was just saying, uh, these cells need to die. And so another response to the interferon response is Mm -hmm. the increased expression of ligands for receptors on NK cells. And so these infected cells are essentially sticking out the ligands that NK cells will recognize and then kill the cell. And so they're essentially reaching out begging for death. (laughs) Please kill me. And then the third element of the interferon response is the activation of these NK cells. And the process by which NK cells are recruited to the site of an infection is pretty much the exact same as neutrophil extravasation, which Mm -hmm. we covered last episode. So for a more in-depth understanding of extravasation, revisit that episode. Go check it out. And so here's another Mm -hmm. picture of... Are cells secreting Mm -hmm. cytokines, essentially activating and letting NK cells know that, hey, we're infected and need to be killed. And so you see here in this first panel, the NK cell doesn't have granules yet because it's not activated. Mm -hmm. And there's only a singular NK cell. Yeah. And so you see here in this next panel, upon binding these interferons, the NK cell then starts to proliferate. And so it's like, okay, there's a viral infection. I'm getting these interferons. And so now Calm I need up. to start splitting and proliferating so that I can combat this infection. Yeah. And then so now you see in this third panel, now that the NK cells have proliferated, now they can activate. And so now they have their granules, which are essentially their payload that they drop upon these cells to yeah. induce apoptosis, which again is programmed cell death.
1: And the little... Cells that are dead are just
0: <laughs> Yeah, they're just shriveled husks of <laughs> Shri- their former cells. <laughs> exactly. Very depressing.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: And then so here's the last thing that we're actually gonna be covering for today. Okay. And it's another picture. So yes. I know everybody loves pictures. I know Mia does, and honestly, I, I do them. too.
1: They're so much easier to understand. Oh, you made that real big.
0: Yeah, so I wear glasses.
1: <laughs> I'm blind. <laughs> and
0: I need to be a little bigger.
1: No, fair enough.
0: So macrophages are also activated in response to a viral infection. And so mm-hmm. as I was saying, similar to the neutrophil extravasation, macrophages also release cytokines and chemokines to okay. attract and activate NK cells. And so interleukin-12 is a cytokine released by macrophages, which activate NK cells. And then similar to the neutrophil extravasation, Mm -hmm. the chemoattractant CXCL8 attracts NK cells to the site of infection.
1: Okay. So one activates and one brings it over.
0: Exactly. And so it is at this point that NK cells and macrophages actually come together and bind one another
1: it docks (laughs) and
0: essentially they're essentially docking and forming this conjugate pair Mm -hmm. yes so once the nk cell and macrophage dock and form this conjugate pair Mm -hmm. they then continue this feedback loop in which the macrophages send interleukin 12 to the nk cell telling it to activate and proliferate Meanwhile, the NK cell is producing and sending interferon gamma to the macrophage, which mm-hmm. is telling the macrophage to continue and ramp up its inflammatory response and produce more inflammatory cytokines.
1: Gotcha. So, similar to the first part, it is also producing two different ty- types of cytokines to um, let it know, like, "Hey, make some more," and "Hey, let's let's make it hot in here." Yes. <laughs> Inflame me. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, so that's essentially how your body reacts to a viral infection, is with these interferons. It tells other cells, Mm -hmm. hey, get ready, and then it brings in NK cells, which will then go and kill viral infected cells. Mm.
1: (laughs) Sad, but needs to happen.
0: It's the only way. It's the only way. Luckily, you'll just make more.
1: True. Ideally, if you survive. (laughs) Oh my god. If you die, you're fucked. If you don't, you're good. Bring it back down to normal size.
0: <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I, I enlarged everything so that I can read That's okay. the pictures. And now I'm zooming out so that I can go back uh, to reading the text.
1: Look, look with your special eyes. <laughs> My brand.
0: <laughs> and with that, we will uh, be concluding today's episode. Like I said, there is definitely a lot more we can cover within the innate immune system, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it makes more sense within the context of the immune system as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I'll wait until we get through the adaptive immune system to cover them.
1: Ooh, that one's going to be fun. That one's going to be interesting. I really like the adaptive immune system. It is super cool. It's very in-depth. It's very deep. But We also got to get through the adaptive
0: immune system to talk about things like HIV AIDS.
1: Ooh, true. All right. So get ready for that.
0: But we will be taking a break from biology for a few episodes before diving into the monster that is adaptive immunity.
1: Yeah, switch it up. Make it a little spicy.
0: Yes, my plan for (laughs) next episode is to cover nuclear fission, so look out for that.
1: Yeah, boom.
0: (laughs) Anyways, thank you all for listening. Mm -hmm. All pictures for this episode will be posted on our website, straighttothebrain.com. That's straight, the number two, the brain. Straighttothebrain.com. Check it out. The pictures are located in the corresponding blog post for the episode. All sources used for this episode can also be found on the website under the sources tab. Follow us on at straight to brain on both Twitter and Instagram. Come say hey. Again, that is at straight the number two brain. At straight to brain. Please rate and review. If you have any questions, comments, or episode ideas, you can email us at straight 2 brain at gmail.com. Once again, that is straight the number two brain straight to brain at gmail.com .com. as a disclaimer i am not considered an expert on the topics that i cover mm. goodbye and good luck in your endeavors Later, guys. this has been straight, straight to, to the, the brain, brain.